Do you know who Christ is? We're going to find out tonight. Welcome to the Mosaic Ark. Right. Do you know who Christ is? I think so. Oh, good. <laughs> Do you think we can explain it so. to anybody? Hmm. So I'll tell you, but I'll start with. We've been trying. Well, we've been trying. I, I bless, bless their hearts. My, my, my students in my history of European civilization class are really getting the, the like, I'll dunk them in the, in the ocean version of here. We're going to start with Augustine in Carthage and, you know, 400 with Deo Gratias asking him, well, Augustine's in Hippo and Deo Gratias is asking him, how do you catechize? Well, right. What kind of narratio should I tell these people that are coming to me wanting, you know, to be told the cat. And what's interesting, of course, when Deo Gratias catechizes, he tells them the whole story of creation and the whole story of the old Testament and they don't really talk that much about Jesus, which is puzzling. Hmm. Why? Well, isn't that what we should be doing? Shouldn't we just be talking about Jesus? If we want to say who's Christ, we just you know start with the history. This guy, born under born under Augustus, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried, descended into hell, ascended into heaven on the third day. He rose again from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Well, that solves it, right? Mm-hmm. The who. <laughs> well, that's the formula version. <laughs> well, okay, so I tried another version. I'm just like, this is this is this mm -hmm. is the struggle, right? I realize there's, there's a it's a his, it's a problem of story. Because you're trying to get people into a story that they may or may not have heard. I mean, with the Augustinian desire in the long run to say, and you're part of this story and you're in it, right? And he mm -hmm. saved you too. Yippee! Right? Yes. But we've we've regularly and, and sort of skirted around this a lot over the last year. I mean, we did do a stream at the beginning with Christ as the lover night. But this mystery of how to say who's Christ... Who's Jesus Christ, the Lord? Who's Jesus as Lord? It's interesting that it's so difficult. Mm. Well, it's difficult. My first thought was it's especially difficult now because most people don't even know what lords are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's not like 
Jesus is your representative senator, is it? <laughs> right, but the thing is, he's born in the Roman um, Empire. So, yeah. yeah, representative senator, I mean, during his lifetime, Caligula made his horse a senator, allegedly. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the equine vote, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Very important. <laughs> Oh, they were crazy. Um, well, but the thing is, I'm not. I'm not sure it was any easier in Jesus's lifetime for people to understand what it meant. Just kind of why he got crucified. Mm. Well, that's what we we're talking about a few days ago. Yeah, the apostles having the difficulty of explaining Christ to different people around the region. <laughs> they didn't find it easy. Uh, well, there's know. this. The, this is, it, is it too bold to say we can try and attempt? <laughs> oh, we're going to. We're going to, and we're going to keep trying, and, and we're going to find the way in. But I, I'd say that this, this, this topic is on my mind a lot because a, it's on my mind all the time. Um, but mm -hmm. it's on my mind right now because of the way I, my teaching problems that I set up for myself on campus with one the history of European civilization. Which if I don't try to explain at some point what Christianity is, it's just this this kind of black box that everything happens mm. in relation to. And, and you just end up with this, well, the church was bad because it, it forced people to do stuff. And you're like, uh, all right. Yes. <laughs> no, but how am I going to explain this to you? Um, and then it's like, well, there's this Jesus guy. This came up in class today. Cause it's like, how do you actually prove Jesus is somebody other than just a cool magician? Hmm. Because that you know that that could and, and, and let me set up where I how I got to this part of it too. So after we read Augustine on catechizing, and I try to give them some sense of like there's this desire to persuade from within their rhetorical training in antiquity, and the thing that Augustine says to, to De Gratias he needs to tell them is the history of the church. So there's this historical premise, but that history begins with creation, like the story begins with Genesis, not. Jesus. And it goes mm -hmm. through all of the ages of the Old Testament until you get to Jesus, which then Augustine kind of doesn't go into detail on. It's it's like you can you could be explaining to people what Christianity is and never get to what I think most people wonder about is like, should I watch The Chosen on television and see an actor portraying <laughs> this character who is yeah. bro home, you know, bro being bro with his homies? Mm. I'm thinking about this. <laughs> um, well, different, uh, different, different kinds of Christians have explained Christ very differently. So that's a problem also, because I mean, let uh, let's say now we're going to be discussing Christ as God incarnate. I mean, that's the first scandal that we have to overcome in this conversation because not all of the uh, people that profess to be Christians actually think that this is, this is who he is. Um, well, you and I, I do, know. right? So we're just going to take that mm, as a yeah. rat. Okay, never mind. We're not <laughs> yeah, yeah but, we're going to ignore everyone. <laughs> but, no, but the thing is, I mean, this is, this is it, 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 it's interesting that in this, I hadn't thought of this until today when I was trying to explain it to the students and they're going, what's Christianity? I'm like, well, it's the story of creation and it's the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're going, what are you talking about? And then 
The next text I have them read is Beowulf because allegedly we're trying to show them both the Greco-Roman sort of cultural framework out of which whatever it is we're talking about, European civilization emerges, whatever that is, if Europe has a civilization anymore because nobody remembers any of this stuff. If you don't remember the stories, there's no culture, right? There's no tradition that you're even talking about. You, it's like as Vox likes to say, there's no magic dirt. It doesn't just like make you something by living there. It's it's and mm. obviously what I I mean if it counts as kinship, it also counts as all the stories that you've been told as you've been growing up. Yes. Um. Yes. And then so we you know the next one that we have them read is is Beowulf, and it's saying okay, so there's this old English story. It's it gives them this completely different image of, you know, sort of the social situation and there's got monsters and there's feuds and stuff like that. But from my perspective, it's a problem because it's very, very clear to me that Beowulf is a story told by a Christian. Mm. It's a Christian storyteller and all of the characters that he has, it's like Tolkien trying to tell the Hobbit story of the Lord of the Rings, obviously. The background is this assumption of Christian truth which then there's this kind of fictional story with monsters and references to apparent historical entities overlaid with, mm -hmm. oh no, the bard in the Mead Hall sings the song of creation. And so then you say, well, it's, there's no Jesus in the story, so is it Christian? And then what would that mean? And then I was like, well, what about that dragon, right? Dragons, those are clearly Germanic, right? Okay, there's a trick. My students are already wary of me by now. <laughs> so I show them a picture of this guy he's dressed like a Roman soldier and he's got a spear and he's fighting a snake and a lion. And I say, who's this? And they start guessing because they know that they have to try now. And I'm like, well, it's got a cruciform halo. And they're like, it's Christ. And I'm like, yeah, because he's in the Psalms as Lord killing the serpent. And now I've completely lost them, right? Because it's like, wait. Christ mm -hmm. is in the Psalms. Well, one, they, they weren't quite sure what the Psalms were. So I'm <laughs> like, oh my gosh, the yeah. cultural gulfs. And I I feel for Augustine and yeah. Dea Gratius. It's like, how are you going to tell people what it means to be Christian when they've never heard the story to start with? And you're trying to bring them into this story that you're going to convince them is the reality that they live within. Mm. And they've never heard it before. <laughs> sweating already <laughs> yeah um this is really difficult now <laughs> yeah you, you see were, where we are mm -hmm. you see how hard it yeah. is i mean i'm showing the pictures yeah. of the of the the the, uh, the gospel of saint uh, augustine different augustine which is probably i realize now gonna have confused them too um that is carried yes. carried in procession at the coronation of king charles and i'm like book it's really important it makes him christian and they're like okay we believe you, mm. but we don't know why. <laughs> and, no. and I'm showing the picture of St. Luke on his chair, right? And saying, who do you think this is? And they said, God. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's literally the I'm book that helps the <laughs> English be Christian. It's the gospels. It's the story of Christ. But they're, you know, the picture they have is not of Christ. Although there's some little pictures of, of the life, the life of Jesus or the passion. Mm it's you know the author of the book that they're looking at and i'm just like i i i don't even know where to start anymore hmm. okay so we've lost all cultural references to basic christian themes 
That's how bad it is. That's how bad it is for us. And then you think, so what were the gospel mm. authors doing? The other direction. Were they writing to an audience that knew any of this stuff? Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then that's of course tricky because it's like, I mean, when Paul when Paul is going around telling everybody about the gospel, the gospels don't exist, at least as texts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they weren't written down yet. <laughs> and so he, you know, he's going to Corinth or Athens, right, and saying, "You, you know, Jesus is the Lord. He saved you." And they're going, "From what?" Yes. <laughs> And what do you mean, Lord? As you said, you know, like people don't have an idea of Lord to start with. Yeah, yeah. Right? But this this sort of, I mean, this whole repertoire of questions that, um, I mean, I'm realizing sort of, one, I, I, I do often have this feeling, it's like, where do you start when you're telling history? Well, we don't know because history kind of starts in the middle of everything. People start writing stuff down in the middle of stuff that they've already been arguing about for who knows how long. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Right. There's been storytelling and storytelling and storytelling ever, ever since those cavemen painted the bison in Lascaux. And we're trying to figure out how to, I don't know, is it from, is it, is it start from the beginning? Is it start in the middle? Is it start, which, like, which problem are we needing to start with? Well, it's difficult because, uh, we're talking about this uh, story of God becoming man in a culture that doesn't uh, even recognize God in many cases. So now, we're, we're, yes. We're, I, I think we yeah, actually so have a harder a problem now than they did in antiquity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Level up. <laughs> just, just to make things more interesting. <laughs> trying to explain to people uh i i did have a, a a little bit of a conversation with someone about this once mm. uh and um one of our good friends carbon mike and uh we were we're talking about the the problem of of introducing god introducing christ into the material culture and i i counted the the idea that most people were uh were um not religious they may not have a, an understanding of god but i think that most people in the west are very very extremely religious that's why the the culture now is getting so obsessive over the uh very strange um, idea viruses that are getting presented mm. to it uh with all of this uh like woke stuff and whatever but the so the re religious impulses are really strong but not a knowledge of there being a god who is creator that that has right. dissolved um so i think that would be my instinct to start there and to propose a, a counter narrative to the claim that the universe is an accident of uh, chance the idea that we exist without a god is ludicrous that needs to be abandoned before we can have a discussion over who christ is i think because for a lot of people it's just um it it's a stretch to even recognize that there is a god let alone to to say no he's incarnated he's he is right uh, right he is now emmanuel god with us yeah to say so, god with us yeah. doesn't mean anything there's no so um con yeah exactly con exactly contemplate our friend contemplations on the tree of woe just did a post that's on 
philosophical monotheism, although he doesn't put it quite that way. And then I, I commented and say, you know, monotheism is a 16th or 17th right. century term. It's I think it's a slur against the incarnation to start with. Um, <clears throat> but his his argument being that, in fact, most, quote, pagans, which, whatever that means, philosophers in antiquity were, in fact, quote, monotheist, although I think that's not the right term. It's like they they have some sense of the divine, whatever that mm. means, which, you know, I think, I think Roman Romans tend to say there's divus, right? There's gods. And, and that's just the, the, the divinity, but that's in sort of biblical terms, more like heaven, I suppose, Lord, it, mm. it's right. It's what you're saying. It's like, we need to start with, and this is in fact, how the, the missionaries to the English seem to have, have, have proceeded, right? They start with the, and it's certainly Pope Gregory, when he's writing to the bishops um, that, Augustine sets up in the Anglo-Saxon church, their, their beginning premise is always the story of creation. It's like the, mm -hmm. the song of creation. And that's what in Beowulf, you're making me feel happier now. <laughs> At least we start in the right place. <laughs> in Beowulf, what the, what the bard sings in the Mead Hall is the song of creation. Just like we know Cadmon, the cowherd that Bede talks about, yes. is composing the earliest English poetry. He sings the song of creation. So you have to start there. You have to start with this philosophical understanding of being made. Mm -hmm. And and then it's like there, yeah. one godness is is this sort of like, no, just start with, as like as Dorothy Sayers has, has, has always been saying, start with the idea that we are creatures. Mm -hmm. So there is a creator. There is an artist. Yes. Yeah, there is an artist. Right. The, the the great poet the great poet um, yes <laughs> the great poet yeah but uh that is a terrifying premise for a lot of people to to wrestle with i think uh we have to we have to get them to the point where they recognize that they are they are created therefore they are an artwork and i think there's something more romantic in that than there is in um uh talking to them about uh why science is wrong, you know, the right. kind of, uh, the argument over origins can just be perpetual because, uh, people are going to, um, rely on a, a accumulation of enlightenment science, which is, which has killed God from the mentality of Western civilization. So, um, there's some making going on in your background today. I can tell. This is yeah. yeah. They're, they're... <laughs> what? <laughs> what is being made? There's, is the, there's, some, is the there's, some, there's some kind of making going on in the background there. Mm -hmm. um, well, we. I mean, come on. You've got roosters. You've got you've got making things. It's. It, I, I love you. Oh your yeah, rooster, it's all we, happening. Your, yeah. If your rooster doesn't crow for us at some point, we're going to be sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gave them sesame. I gave the. I gave them sesame. I think they're all in a bit of a food coma this morning. <laughs> You've drugged your chickens. You can't so, did. So they're not, not accompanying us this time. Well, I mean, what you said. Most people are. It's this. I mean, this is a sort of Chestertonian premise of you know, the, the the thing we seem to know about human beings is they're they're religious, um, mm -hmm. and and people are right. They de they default to worship just like that. I mean, it's, it, mm. it, it's certainly in, in yes. antiquity that was recognized that, you know, everybody has some kind of worship and you're, you're responding either out of philosophically in this contemplation of, of the, the, the being, being madeness, um, or 
ritually in the service to the the genius of your city or the your tribe or um yes the, the sort of sense yeah, it can sense, manifest sense that we have of being i mean what what's funny is you can you can find people you know saying it's like the that the 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 Native American traditions all understand the fact that there's a spiritual world, and you say, "Yeah, right." <laughs> <laughs> so does every other religious mm-hmm. tradition. I mean, it's like it's interesting that we're we're more comfortable with, I don't know, the Aboriginal claims of of divinity than we are with the ancient philosophical ones or the continuing Christian one of yes, we are in a world that it, you know has the spiritual in communication with the i would say the spiritual it's the the heavenly mm-hmm. and the earthly it's not just the spiritual material but it's just like the heavenly beings the spirits in communication with us the incarnate ones the incarnate minds. yeah i think people pe- people are drawn to the the aboriginal or the indigenous not just australian but anywhere mm-hmm. because it's, it's totemic mm-hmm. and uh, anim- there is something about animism which speaks to people in a different uh, a different level than saying monotheism because uh the 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 way i think that the monotheistic religions are presented now in uh modernity uh is uh i mean it's modern it's 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 not a, a kind of ancient uh expression of things which integrates art with devotion right um which is um i mean this is why you this uh, this is why your work is so beautiful because you've explained this so wonderfully that the the um the the act of devotion it generates ritual Mm. for western civilization that ritual was art it was the creation of the civilization itself so civilization is the output of the devotion to the you know to the uh to the object of devotion um i I did say that didn't i you did you did say that <laughs> so devotion <laughs> devotion requires an object it's it, and father it, shawl it actually said it. i got exactly right and aquinas said that too no that's great i hadn't read aquinas at that point <laughs> so i yes she knows what she's talking about yeah i, I so, follow the, i follow um, the tradition yeah but but so, but that's what the indigenous and the aboriginal does it right it 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 it, 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 it generates uh, a totemic uh of identity for the people that have uh have their uh focus on the totem it's a it's a form of devotion to something which is living and that animates you know animism it's animated and then the culture is uh uh generated from uh the interaction with all of these animated totems and Mm -hmm. things and so the entire um the the entire landscape itself becomes the 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 medium for um devotion and ritual and that's what creates that culture and i think that this is why people are uh mistaking a lot of times the the reasons why um particular religious expressions are um rejected by people that are uh, not very happy with the way that uh, European civilization presented Christ because um, this 
it seems to me more he more healthy that the they uh I'm I'm rambling a little bit mm. but the, it, it's it's like the the idea of an object of devotion directly generating culture makes far more sense in uh both an aboriginal and the an ancient christian uh way than church is something we do on sunday and then for the rest of the week we're going to particip participate in a secular and materialistic culture does that make sense yes but uh, i mean i can i i know you're you're going the direction we want to go which is towards art and the sort of like yes. the, tr the, the yes. truth comes out in the I mean, it's it went for my other class. I'm doing the how to read the gospels class. We read Dorothy Sayers preface to her radio play, The Man mm -hmm. Born to be King. And she talks about how the theological truth comes from doing the play well, that there's mm -hmm. the, 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 the truth of the story actually shows the theological truth. And if you do the story badly and sort of I think she's her radio play was the first time that Jesus had been portrayed as by an actor for hundreds and hundreds of years in English because there'd been mm -hmm. a ban on it. I think we mentioned this before, but yes, um, we did that, that she, she says that this to do the art. Well, you get the theology, right? And if you can't do the art, well, the theology, well, the theology can't emerge, but it, it comes out of the mm -hmm. expression in, in yes. this, in this story form. Um, so God and art are, are connected. I think yes. that's where we would start. It's the, 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 the discussion of whether or not there is a God is usually uh, uh, based on like, uh, well, if he was real, you know, and I want a donut, why don't I have a donut right now? Kind of, you know, well, the stupid, I, I, that atheistic I mean, actually a, a sort of magical thinking, right? It's like, if, if there's yeah, really a God, yeah, why can't is. I do the prayers right and get the stuff I want? Exactly. Which you yes, know, is, yes, is, is yes. a conjuration of demons and magic, frankly. Right. It's like saying the the, the yep. desire for control is the the proper expression yes. of, of devotion, uh, the proper expression of religion rather than the desire for love, which is of course then what Augustine tells mm -hmm. Deo Gratias, what he has to do is he has to teach with love because that's what God does for us, comes into our story, descends mm -hmm. to our ability to understand him by speaking to us through flesh, right? He has to become incarnate and talk to us because sending all those prophets wasn't working, basically, right? It's like that he was sending yeah. people to talk for him. And as Jesus told him one of the parables and nobody was listening, he says, okay, so I need to come and communicate with you directly because you're not hearing me. This is this is Augustine's argument that, you know, if you despair at, at finding this too difficult, your understanding not making it through your fleshly lips off over your tongue into actual communication with other human beings just think how hard it was for god yeah. <laughs> and how yeah. much he had to descend into our condition in order to make that communication but that he did it for love rather than the way that most you know sort of religious practices work of of doing this thing so as to get benefits yeah superstition Right, it's a, it's a superstitious practice. But that's why the because, from the Christian perspective, it yeah. is superstition because it is, it's an exercise. It's always this exercise of control, 
And and the the way the Romans understood their sacrifices is we need to do our sacrifice exactly right because if we make any mistakes in our phrasing our words or anything like that, it won't work, right? The prayer won't work. And of course that's not mm-hmm. the way Christians understand prayer. Jesus tends to say tell some stories about don't think of it in those terms, right? That if you pray a lot or with yeah. better words or something like that, you know, you pray from your attention to to God rather than yes. because you're doing the rituals all perfectly. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it's the uh <laughs> It's the uh, the attention, which is the the thing that is going to generate art. Uh, I think the the rituals are they generate something else. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a half form thought. I'll come back to it. Okay. But, uh, okay, so we've we've crept around some of the major elements, right? That that we need we need yeah. some sense of, I mean, a spiritual reality, which we yes. tend to. Pre- it's like the way people behave tends to prove that kind of everybody has it by default. <laughs> um, because if it, it, but then if it's misdirected, though, they turn it into, I mean. A lot of modern scientists, I I would suggest this misdirected expectation that that it's um, desire to to be in control of the situation in in certain ways, but that the, the the existence of the spiritual is is whether people admit it to themselves or not, typically shown in their behavior that they do <laughs> believe mm-hmm. believe in it. So we start there. Um, we say. Therefore, that's a that's a basic truth. That's not like can you prove it logically, but more can you show that our no. And I don't I don't like the God shaped hole in your heart kind of thing because I think that's a silly argument. Um, I I like the idea of focusing on beauty the 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 idea mm. of. Uh, people that that see something that's beautiful they they know what's beautiful and what's ugly when they see something that's beautiful it implies that it's being made mm-hmm. that's a very simple way of explaining something uh which you know you you're avoiding the the god-shaped hole but uh i mean it's very easy to recognize uh, a beautiful city that people will be f- flooding to visit just because they want to take pictures in it versus mm. some somewhere that's a, you know, a war-torn uh, ghetto environment. Nobody's holidaying in it. Why? Because people have a natural impulse and compulsion to run towards something that is beautiful. And they know instantly when there's somewhere that is beautiful that it has been made that way purposefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, beauty is not assembled accidentally. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a, it's, it's evident that wherever it, wherever you find art, there will be an artist. Okay. I mean, you can, you can do the same. I mean, I think it's actually fairly easy to do with the other transcendentals that goodness, I mean, goodness, it, it requires a standard Mm. for being good. Otherwise nothing's evil. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so that, yeah. that we we recognize if we if we if you feel judgmental against other people for things that they're they've done that you you're already claiming that there is a standard by which to judge so that there must be something that's good mm -hmm. um truth seems to be a little trickier for people whether or not they think there's actually something true and that so i'm reading i'm reading this mm -hmm. this fun book on flipping the narrative and he flips all these narratives about you know the usual things that we've talked about money supply and what happened on 9-11 and the yes. pandemic and stuff but when he gets to religion he's still in the same place of oh well all religions teach the same thing and there's you know you have your truth i have my truth and it's like you spent the rest of the book showing that's not the case mm. and so i think i think people do get stuck because of the I, maybe this is like i think we, we can believe in the beautiful and respond to the good the truth is where people get stuck saying well why can't mm. buddha be truth why can't Moses be truth? Why can't um, Ganesha be truth? Why can't um, the Great Spirit be truth? I think the Great Spirit mm. is probably mythologically participating in the Creator already. But um, as I, the Indians talk to the French a lot, and <laughs> the Jesuits are spending a lot of time talking to them about their theology. It's mm. the truth part that gets people stuck. Um, yes. And then, well, okay. So I think we've 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 wandered around this question for a little bit. We, I, the, the, what's interesting about this is saying, okay, so there's a spirituality, there's a there's a, a a feeling of participating in a meaningful world. There's a sense that there should be justice, so there should be some standard by which you judge. And yes. that we are loved. Well, although Christianity is the one the one tradition that actually claims being loved, um, I don't think the the Song of Songs in the Old Testament suggests that, that God loves Israel. So that that's that that's for sure. And Hosea talks about the 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 um the people as the bride. But um, mm -hmm. there's nothing in Buddhism about being loved, right? It's compassion for other creatures, but there's no lover. There's no like maker yes. who loves um, the the love. I, I you know the 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 Hindu um, devotions are interesting because of all of the things that I've studied, they too seem to seem closest to what Christians just. There he is. What what hey. Christians see? I'm getting it there. What Christians describe <laughs> as you know devotion to the God and the God response but i'm not quite sure how krishna responds right there's 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 other ways that that that's been but the you can get people to this point but you can't usually get them to the point of jesus is the truth and then the 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 next level up is jesus is god but we have but but, but and i'm not maybe these two live together as a as a question for people hmm yeah, I think they do live together. They have to. The the rooster agrees. We've yeah. hit the we've hit, yeah. we've hit the essence. <laughs> yeah. So it has to be when we say what's Jesus? If we're saying he's he's God, then that limits other options. Mhm. Mm and then you get caught with people thinking, well, what does that mean that he's God? Mhm. Chad, have we, have we, so Casey, Casey is talking about 
True, no atheist in ancient Rome. Today's frame of reference is post-enlightenment. It's different. Yeah, we're in... Yeah. I think that our exercise right now with the rooster is, is, is affirming, is getting to the... Well, getting to the place where people actually trip. And it's not, mm. it's not unspiritual. I don't know if it's on beauty. I think people believe in beauty. I think they make themselves purposely ugly in, in a variety of ways because they feel... I don't know. Um, I think if you can't... It's, my, my sense, if you can't achieve perfection, you'll just go for grotesque, but I'm not quite that sure that's what it is. Everyone believes in a judgment. They just don't want to accept on what standard. And then you end up with truth and you're stuck. Hmm. Hmm. So we watched a movie to think about this. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> and it's, it's, this is Jesus Christ superstar from 1973. If anybody's wondering, um, I grew up in the seventies. Well, at, I don't know whether before or after I watched Franco Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth on television, but I certainly in high school had the record, the LP of the not, I don't know whether it's a Broadway production. I think it was just the, the rock opera version that Weber and Weiss had Rice had to make because nobody would make this, this show in the first place. Cause they thought it was silly. Mm. <laughs> like are you gonna make how are you how are you to show and it's uh, you know obviously that the whole point of jesus christ superstar is who do you think you are who are you right it's, oh, it's yeah. like it's literally in yep. the song jesus christ jesus christ who are you what have you sacrificed hey i can actually carry almost that tune that's great i must have listened to it a lot <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> I actually have some of the notes in my head. And that I love it. I'll sing it again. I'm so happy. I feel like the rooster. Do it again. No. <laughs> Let's see. Let me see. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Who are you? What have you sacrificed? I've lost it there. Okay. So um, <laughs> it's set in the, in the title song that Judas is singing after he's hanged himself. <laughs> recognizing that he's oh, betrayed yeah. his friend, but it is the, who are you? What are you? And, and so I love, I think I love the production because it's actually like framed around that angst that people have. I mean, and so this came out 50 years ago. The movie came out 50 years ago. It's very interesting watching. I then looked up all the mm -hmm. actors in it. A lot of them are still alive which suggests it was a good thing to be in. I don't know. They still look good. And including the, the director, um, Jewison, Norman Jewison, who is not in fact Jewish. Yes. He is however Canadian and Protestant. So. <laughs> we, we don't know whether to blame him for that. Um, and that well, well. well. <laughs> most of the cast was in fact American. Mm. Um, I, I, the, the, the man who plays pilot, I won't remember all their names. Ted Neely is playing Jesus. The man who played Pilot, I was absolutely convinced he was British. You and I were like chatting about the movie and we're saying, oh, yeah, only the yeah. Brits can sneer like that. He's actually from Chicago. So we're not even we're not even sure we can identify. He the, was that good. <laughs> <laughs> the English, you know, 
phonemes of these particular particular singers and they, it's all sung mm-hmm. right if you haven't watched it before it's 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 it was a rock opera it was all completely sung and it's therefore in this this wonderful both drama and liturgical it's very it's like they even so they go to um israel to film it which is also quite poignant since it's 1973 and it's soon after mm-hmm. the six-day war <laughs> um and uh they're in various um archaeological locations so they're in this this kind of um i forgot where i was going i mean some of one of the places they film is actually like they film the one of the the trial part in a theater in a in an old excavated roman theater so Mm -hmm. it has that that kind of dramatic quality of sacred um performance with chorus and and tragedy and such um but on the other hand they're all hippies yeah with no shirts on <laughs> well that's you know that that's nice too the whole yeah it's it's like a woodstock collided with the old bible books the shoal of the archaeological areas it's such a strange like visually it's such a strange movie to watch for that reason it was so it was there was it's all sorts of very, like very strange. the opening is great and i recognize that this this comes from weber and rice did this in joseph and the amazing technicolor Dreamcoat too right that mm-hmm. they set it up as like it's it's a it's you know it's a play right? there's this this premise of the actors show up in regular as regular people as it were um yeah. and joseph they 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 they're the teachers in the school um and in jesus christ superstar they all show up on a bus right you got this the camera work was yeah. great right this this really long shot yeah. first of the the desert and you can hear the overture right and then and then see the bus coming on you know, on the dirt so that's got the dust cloud and the the cast all gets off and and one of my students last week pointed out you're seeing all of them get off and you see all the different actors who are going to play the various characters you don't see jesus get off the bus mm. he's just suddenly there in this he's walking in the desert no no he's he 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 just appears amidst them oh yeah he's not there oh yeah no sorry i got the wrong i got the wrong camera shot yeah, yeah, yeah mixed it's up. a get off yeah, the bus yeah, yeah. and yeah. they're unloading the yeah. cross and things like that and then the, the we have this shot we we wanted actual screenshots as we went through the movie but our streaming services won't let us do that so we're reliant on what we could find out there on the on the internet and this one's showing the the group is sort of down on their knees and jesus is is lifting his his hands up and so all of it is this wonderful Mm -hmm. i do think this is genius right it's just all the the who are you and the first thing you have is he appears from their midst who mm-hmm. is he? He he just appears among them, this this troop, and he's already dressed at this point. I think you see the put the 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 um the white nighty thing on. It's always the mark of Jesus in these these modern art productions that he has to be dressed in white, unlike everybody else. So they put that on him, and then he turns around and he's in this 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 gesture. But it's I I think lovely as a. A question because we are saying 
how does God appear among us? Where, how can you even say that he's there as a person? Mm. Yeah, perfectly, uh, perfectly depicts the surprise. Suddenly there's a, well, it's, I mean, that's kind of, a, that's BC AD of them getting off the mm -hmm. bus and then suddenly Christ is there in their midst, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it means that bus is Mary because <laughs> in, in <laughs> fact, no birth, right? He's just there suddenly as an adult. So there is a, a kind of premise mm -hmm. of the way people show up in your life and start talking to you instead of knowing their origins from their their childhood and yeah. and you do get that sense i mean i what i love you're talking about how the you know the men all have they're all shirtless and the women are all you know um bikini bikini tummies and stuff they're all very fixed they're they, apparently they were all like atheist hippies who started because of this production reading yes. the Aquarius gospel, which then I looked up and I'm like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> but, but, the, but, the, but the dancers were all very, very fit. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. that from there in their experience, indeed, Jesus just appears. And you can say that yes. that must've been the case when he started his preaching that he's around 30, probably. Mm -hmm. And John has done his baptism thing. <laughs> and then and then Jesus is suddenly there as and and in in the in the in the play he's kind of we we start once we got them off the bus and everything the first one you have is Judas singing about what are you doing right so we're in the middle of the story it's like mm. constantly already in the middle of the story yeah there's no there's no lead uh there's no lead up uh which is kind of what it's like trying to talk about christianity yes. to people. <laughs> we're not we're not going to give you the lead up to the you know the gospels the old testament stories and any of the historical references and the history of the israelites none of it <laughs> bang we're right here there's uh there's a guy called jesus let's talk about this with no context where'd he come from <laughs> which doesn't work right we've established that yeah. it's like it makes great drama and you have who we have yeah. oh well here's here's annas or caiaphas first right the the, the so you could say yes there would be a backstory if you and and you do get that a little bit with these these priests right they're very fit too so he's wearing the the ephod with the the gemstones on it and no shirt which is, i don't think the very I don't strange. think the police, <laughs> never mind the funny hat, the black, you know, they, they're all in these billowing black, I mean, like, go, uh, uh, bat, bat wing kind of cloaks and stuff that they're wearing. And then these, whatever their hats are supposed to be, I don't know, but they are, I mean, interestingly, they're as a, just like the representative of the authorities. Yes. So here's the religious the Jesus hippie is going to clash with the authorities and it's dangerous for us. And I, I, I did like, I did, it's like in the movie, we have um, another, a pre-scene with Annas and Caiaphas with, I think is completely lame. It's not in the, in the album description. Again, all of these characters, they just like get dropped in suddenly here they are high priest mm -hmm. and, and his sidekick. Um, yeah. 
worried about this Jesus, right? I'm now convincing myself this movie does not solve anything that we want to do. Because <laughs> you have to know who all of these characters are already for yeah. it to, to punch just, you. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, watching this with no context whatsoever, it would seem like the most bizarre thing that was ever created. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, this is, I'm, I'm realizing my problem with all this. I, I grew know. up, you know, I grew up with my Bibles yeah. and my worrying about being perfect and my yeah. this, that, and the other. And so, of course, these stories are great. They're so powerfully told. And I can, yeah, I'm getting it, right? It's so, like, if you just yeah. watch this movie, it's like, okay, so he's their friend? And these yeah. guys with no shirts on and black capes are worried about him Let's see what, what I couldn't find the libretto, so we have to do it from memory. Um, I now I'm blanking on everything because I can't sing anything except for the superstar movie. <laughs> what then to do about Jesus of Nazareth? Miracle worker, wonder of fools, no riots, no army, no the, the one thing I'll say from Jesus is cool. You get the nice bass note. Um, that the, they're they're literally just setting him up as uh. Well, I guess, you know, the sort of charismatic holy man character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he, he kind of has the entrance underneath the scaffolding uh, where it, he looks like a guru. I think they they, they uh, borrowed, I think, a little bit from that uh, 60s era where everybody was running off to India to get a guru. Yeah. It looks very much like uh, Beatles and Joyers in India with uh, some kind of yogic <laughs> yogic philosopher who's, who's giving them the uh the in enlightenment treatment yeah um which doesn't really explain anything it's just the uh sort of equivocating him with the just another guru in that way i suppose they are drat they're not Okay, so we've They're got not, the, we've got uh, Caiaphas now, and the rest of them on this scaffolding that you're describing. Do you want to like mm -hmm. talk about that? What we see in that? All the roof juice. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are. I mean, so they yeah. use all the locations quite fun, right? I'm surprised they got filming permission in a lot of these because they are they were you can tell mm -hmm. they're they're like archaeological sites you're literally yeah they're literally working on the roof <laughs> it's like very old probably very precious archaeological you know, all these hippies <laughs> dancing in the middle of the columns yeah. and, and everything but the, the scaffolding <laughs> i think the scaffolding was part of the set actually but um well, it looks, it looks like they're restoring the wall and they've just taken over. It's very funny. <laughs> That's why I was laughing so much. <laughs> they're just like, they just threw all of their, um, their Sanhedrin on some poor guy's scaffolding. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I think this was a good, that, that was a good visual to try and um, describe the effect of the priesthood on the people. Mm. Because that uh, religious institution acts as a scaffolding of, of 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 everything, it's the it's the architecture of the civilization there that that priesthood is necessary for the architecture to emerge. Going back to our art, you know, and the creators, the sub creation. Uh, 
but without the scaffolding you're not going to get the civilization so it's like they come in and they've got this massive group of hippies following the guru and then they're looking up at the the scaffold mm -hmm. then from up there you see the 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 institution of the the sanhedrin glaring down wondering what's going on <laughs> and in that way it was very very well done yeah uh, as a as a nod to exactly what the Sanhedrin was for the people in those times. Um, the uh, the structure for uh, for everything to stay connected together, which explains, I think, a little more why they were responding to Christ the way they were responding to him. So this is I you threatened the scaffolding, threatened the scaffolding threatened yes um yeah, but the, yeah. the 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 problem for us as Christians trying to describe why we respond to this story of Christ and recognizing mm. that I mean it, it's clearly Weber and Rice are doing it in 73 Sayers did her play in 42 so just actually 30 years before this um mm. you know that we we've talked about how you know the coronation of Charles, who's alive at this time, right? <laughs> he was Prince Charles in this in this period, uh, is is marked with the carrying of a gospel book into the church where he's going to be recognized as king. Talk about scaffolding, right? Yes. Um, yes. But I'd say, okay, one problem. I've talked about, you know, baptized young enough, grew up with this story. It, it, it's puzzling to me, and I'll say this, I hope I say it right. I've never had doubts, right? It's like this, This unfortunately, it's like, okay, I you know, grew up Presbyterian and now I'm Catholic. Mm -hmm. And oh, what was your conversion like? And I'm like, uh, smooth. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still waiting for the, the road to Damascus moment where, you know, I get thrown off my horse <laughs> and God talks to me and says, no, because I haven't been persecuting him. So he's not going to ask me that. Um, I, at least I hope not. Um, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the it, I don't, I don't feel like in this one very, very significant story of my life, I've had a big reversal. And mm -hmm. I will say that I've spent my whole life and certainly my whole like intellectual adulthood testing it as a story, testing, you know, how people tell them, tell themselves to pray within it. Why do they pray? All of these things. But the story itself has always made sense to me. And I therefore, oddly mm -hmm. enough, I, the rooster agrees with me again. Yes. I, I I think sometimes I can't see its edges, so I don't understand what people don't see. Because as far as, for as as far as I'm concerned, it fills reality. Mm. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's. I mean, when when I was a kid, it they were still doing nativity plays mm -hmm. for Christmas. And I was actually in one. <laughs> I got to hold a real baby as the Virgin Mary. I got once. to be married too. We didn't have a real baby. I'm jealous. I wasn't allowed to pick it up. They just put it in a box oh. in front of me. <laughs> I think I had a doll. Um, I want your baby. But you didn't wait. No, you didn't pick it up. Hmm. It's a formative um, moment getting to be married in the nativity play for sure. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so uh, I love nativity plays, and they got rid of all of them uh, when I was. I mean, just after I got to make my stage debut. <laughs> um, <laughs> and since she doesn't say, did you get to say the Magnificat? I don't remember getting to say anything. No, yeah. no, because it was pro it was just like a generic secular Protestant Christmas nativity play. But even then, you know, I mean, that's radically religious for the culture that exists now in Australia. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they actively push to remove them all from um, public spaces. So nobody, nobody does them here anymore. Hardly, hardly anybody does them here anymore. But um, where was I going with this? There was a point. I had a, the, I had the, a reason the, for I, saying the, the, I, I was talking about how I've never had a sort of radical flip. Oh, yeah. Um, if you're in an environment where it's sort of taken as uh, uh, it's a given that the Christmas story was real, you don't have a, a radical uh, moment of realizing that the nativ nativity play is uh, is like this hugely significant thing. You know, every, mm. it's it's like the nativity play. Oh yeah, they're doing a nativity play because that's what we do, of course. Uh, I, I'm just wondering whether or not it's a result of of your culture becoming uh, uh, less Christian that that uh, you've you've been able to grow up with a more um, consistent and sort of uninterrupted conversion if that makes sense well so i'll say the one a lot of people go from nativity play to nothing right that they'll they'll say mm. right it's like we actually know of someone who went from presbyterian to orthodox jewish <laughs> because she said it was too boring in sunday school mm. right it wasn't persuasive so you know that 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 I don't. I don't take for granted that I stayed where I did in in the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nor, I mean, I, I would say on the other. On the one hand, I, I, it's like I, I was listening to this music when I was growing up, and being in the nativity plays. And read, I my my strongest memory of getting to be in one of these plays was not being the Mary. I do know. I do think I got to be Mary once. I don't remember when, but what I do remember was. The experience of getting to be at the lectern with the microphone, which was fun, in the dark, um, reading the Isaiah passage with the throne titles, right? And his name shall be called mm. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? That sealed it for me. I wanted to be reading that scripture for the rest of my life. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> yeah, so there's there's two layers of it, the, the like enacting the story and then the the speaking of the, the, the mm. prophecy. Um, but lots of other things because I grew up Presbyterian were missing, right? So you could say I've been on a quest for the rest of it ever since, right? The things that I saw when we went to Europe and I saw the art, going back to that, like the cathedrals and the crucifixes and mm. heard the music and then it's like saying something's missing. It's like, fine, I've had Jesus Christ Superstar, but I there's more, right? I want more of this reality. It's the, it's the, it's the ritual that emerges from the devotion potentially what do you think i think that's part of it but i think now that i'm talking about it it's like i've i've not had a reversal but i've had a just this aching desire to be within it much more yeah fully yeah yeah 
You wanted to step into the bay. But it's seen at a distance, right? Like those mountains. You see those mountains at a distance. You want yeah. to be in them. And I'm going to drive over that monarch pass again and again and again. Because <laughs> I want to be in that. Yeah. So the desire to be in the story and the desire to, to participate in it. Um, again, I'm trying to... It's like the, the problem, problem getting people to what we're saying that this scaffolding is there and i like it the way you describe that metaphor it's like the scaffolding needs to be there for people to appreciate the drama right why anna and Caiaphas are so upset about what jesus is doing and and they mainly that what they mm. what the script seems to me mainly to suggest is what i read in the in my college classes on jesus and history there was a you know big discussion in the 60s 70s there was a book called um, Jesus is Zealot by SGF Brandon. See how well I remember it. Um, where he's arguing, and this this fits with the Judas character being you know, like saying, like, we were doing so well. Now you've messed up our movement. What have you done? You know, why won't you listen yes. to me? Because I've got the better advice for you on how to do this movement well. Who do we have next in our picture? Okay, here we have Jesus singing in the, the hippie moment with the, the palm tree. I love the Hosanna song. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. That's almost on tune. Hey, JC, JC, won't you fight for me? Santa, Hosanna, hey, superstar. And then Jesus sings something about you can't stop the rocks from singing, which is good too. So they, 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 you know, mm -hmm. they, they sung, they, they, you know, script, uh, composed that well, right? And now I forgot what it's doing because I yeah. had to concentrate on the notes. Um, well, see, see now you. Oh, SGF Brandon and the and the Zealots, right? So in the mid mm. in the mid twentieth century, one of the big arguments is that the concern about Jesus was he was a political revolutionary. But you recognize, as you were saying correctly, that that's coming out of this cultural moment of that's what everyone else wants Jesus to be too. Is this cultural revolutionary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because it's just we, we uh, the world just went through the sixties cultural revolution. Mm -hmm. The boomers were in full swing, <laughs> and they've gone east. They've gone far east uh, into that kind of, you know, uh, uh, Beatles pilgrimage mode. Right. So that, like, they're they're um, they've kind of positioned Christ in this film, in this story, as being the the guru that's going to stick it to the uh, stick it to the man, which is like this scaffolded priesthood, the authorities, <laughs> and also the way, <laughs> and the way that they depicted the um, the Roman uh, the Roman presence as well. Mm. I thought was really funny. Do we have that next? Uh, oh no, we have we have the them at the Last Supper next. So. Oh okay, uh, uh, but you know, similar thing. The, the 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 uniforms are like this very strange um, mixture of construction yes. worker and uh, <laughs> like American uh, an American army. Uh, so if I could find that. <laughs> here they are. They've it's got just, they've got this, they, here, strange, here they, yeah. they've got Jesus in their. It's in the flagellation scene, I think. Yes. Yeah, so they're they're in fatigues, but with um, purple yeah sleeveless <laughs> with these violet tank, tank tops, tops. <laughs> and, and silver and guns what? and silver helmets and such yes it's yeah 
Yeah. You're not quite, uh, but I mean, you are quite sure what they're trying to do with that. But <laughs> it's yeah. So, but I mean, in in the context showing the the modern military presence of the Americans. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Because it looked very. Uh, uh, it looked like America invading the Holy Land, didn't it? I mean, you, you have that image of Judas standing there in the desert, having a having a meltdown, and then suddenly the tanks start rolling mm -hmm. in. Do I have that uh, one? It's, it, it, it's a very... I'm going to find that one for you. Very, there you go. Yes. The tanks, the very, American tanks yeah. coming in. I assume they're American. I don't know. Somebody in the chat, tell me. So Silent Draco is saying he didn't do Nativity play, but portrayed Pilate in the Passion play. Yes, we, we thought Pilate was very well done in the movie. Um, and yes. indeed, Hosanna followed by Caiaphas. Tell the rabble to be quiet. We anticipate a riot. This common crowd is much too loud. Tell the mob who sing your song that they are fools and they are wrong. They are a curse. I can't go that long. They should disperse. Hosanna, 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 ho. Santa, hey, Santa, Santa. <laughs> I can sing along better than I can remember all of it by myself. But <laughs> I wish I could sing with you. I just don't know. We have to go back to Hosanna. Right? It's like, we, we, um, uh, well, now he's being, okay. Well, well the, so. Yeah, well, it's like, they're, they're, it, it's like uh, they're making fun of American imperialism. There's got like you know the the militarism more than the imperialism. Yes, but, you know they've got the tanks rolling in and you know this very shocking <laughs> difference between these American Romans and the the the, the Hebrews on the scaffold, mm. but also interestingly the relationship between the both of them, which I found fascinating too. Between the Romans and the and the and the, the yes. priests. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is very. It's kind of nervous. Uh, um, uh, negotiation between the two of them. You know how they <laughs> how they negotiate everything, and uh, yeah. It, it, uh, the costume changes when the when the when the Sanhedrin are in the presence of the the Romans and and you know how they how they have to present themselves and um, how did they change? I thought they were in the same costume. Wasn't there a scene? No, wasn't there a scene? They had the red. They were suddenly in red. Oh, that's right. Black. Yes, they're suddenly yeah. in red. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. When they're with Pilate, whereas mm. when they're they're just in black when they're on their own. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting too, because they're changing their their uh, their dress when they're in the presence of the, of uh, Pontius Pilate. Well, it's, so this it's... is this is in in one of the the um in one of Jude part of Judas's superstar song, because after that he's dead, right? So he's in wherever he is. He can't be in heaven. He's in well, we don't know. <laughs> so the 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 superstar song is sung by Judas after he's dead. And it's his mm -hmm. great question song. And he's saying, it's like, why did you come here now? Um, is Israel in 4 BC had no mass communication? Yes. Which is the mm -hmm. single most telling line of the whole play. 
<laughs> because mm-hmm. they're imagining it from, in fact, either London or yep. the American world. It's like this mm-hmm. backward land that had, you know, was nothing at the time. And and this I this I just recently realized. It's like, wait a minute, that line has stuck with me my whole life. It's saying, yeah, Israel in four BC had no mass communication. You know, why would you why wouldn't you come now when we could make a movie about you? And then everybody yeah. would be touched and affected by you, which is of course Oops, that's Herod. <laughs> we'll go back to the 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 uh the um the Romans torturing Jesus is completely misunderstanding what Jerusalem is and where mm-hmm. it is in the world, which is ironic yeah. because of course in the nineteen seventies and certainly nineteen seventy three it was the center of the world again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Certainly the center of the world's <laughs> attention. Right. And has been yeah. very powerfully ever since nineteen seventy three or a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. It's like it it wasn't the back of it wasn't the nowhere world. It was literally the center. And that world in 4 BC had great mass communication. It was called the Roman Empire. Mm. Yeah, they had postal roads. They had legionnaire, you know, legionnaire legions keeping their roads, you know, repaired so that they had mass communication from Egypt to Britain. Yeah, actually, Britain's almost yeah. conquered at that point. They'll have it soon. <laughs> it's like this. This is a, I've been enjoying showing my classes on the maps. Right, if you look at the spread of Christianity, it's like, look, it starts in these cities here and here and here, and then, you know, by, you know, two hundred B two hundred AD, it spread this far, and then it spread this far. It's like it's all spread. Well, and some of it's in Persia, right? They're spreading outside of the empire, but they're mainly spreading within the Roman Empire mm-hmm. along its mass communication roads with its letters and its ships and its grain shipments from egypt to rome <laughs> it's, yes it's like it's, it's it's these it you know prior to the 18th century it's the most connected that you know part of human civilization had ever been during the roman mm. empire yeah they completely unified the mediterranean region into a into a massive network the internet yes silent draco greece israel 4 bc was a main node of mass communication exactly right so Mm. it's interesting that the thing you know talking about things that people in our moment don't understand it's saying oh yeah you know palestine that was backwards it's like maybe from the british imperial perspective in the 19th century but not yes. in the Roman Empire, which is, of course, why the Romans are interested in holding on to it and why you might worry about a mass revolt with zealots in the period. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yes, you know, it's 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 not on the it's not a port city. So that does create different differences. But right. That whole coast. Right. It's 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 the center of all stories from, you know, Mesopotamia through Egypt to Assyria and and the Hittites and oh we have we have this thing that used to be called the Oriental Institute <laughs> at the University of Chicago. What did they change? I it can't to? remember. It's the Oriental Institute. It still <laughs> says so on the building. And it it it's it, the Oriental. It's significant because that region of the world was the great crossroads of everything for millennia. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why yeah. Jesus showed up there. It's like God does pick yeah. his moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a, a a a sense of. Uh, there's also the flip side. It's like, why does that place become so important? Well, because God 
becomes incarnate there, right? So it's it, it goes both ways. But it does actually make sense of it as a crossroads of all of these cultures, like we've been talking about, as saying Jesus is sort of hippie-like. Yes. And, and you know, in, Indian. They had Indian, you know, philosophers in Egypt in the period, too. They called them gymnosophists mm -hmm. or yogis. <laughs> The yogics were there. The yogics were there. They've been, they they've been there. there. It's like it was. It's like Israel in four BC was the main node of mass communication, and all of these traditions are coming in. This is this is what's funny about saying, "Oh, Christianity." You know, it's this obscure and like Hebrew religion. It's like it comes out of the intersection between the Greek, the Roman, the Egyptian, the Babylonian, the you know, the Silk yeah. Road node, right, coming from China. It's probably it's like all traditions. Which is the medieval um, maps show it? All traditions converging on Jerusalem. Yes, that's that. You know, it's like the why of the in in the moment in history is actually easier to answer than some of the other things. Mm. Yeah. Well, this this is the. Uh... I'm making. I'm the, on on screen. We have them drinking, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm filling my cup up again. Uh, oh, fantastic. Uh, no, but this is the this is the thing is it, it's it like the medieval the map of Mundi right? Mm -hmm. It's the Jerusalem is at the center, but of course this makes sense because it's been expressed in the. Uh, <laughs> this, this Your boy is great. Thing. We went and and he's, he's gonna having, he's gonna he's have to call Peter time. out soon. I don't know if we had any pictures of Peter. <laughs> we did Blonde learn. Peter. We 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 did we did a little investigation Wikipedia style on on the uh, the afterlife of the cast. Uh, yeah, it was an unfortunate decline in moral standards after they made this film. Particularly for Peter, he should have listened to that rooster. <laughs> he made a lot of movies after that. He made... Apparently without his clothes on. A lot of films. <laughs> Peter, what do you, do you know what you have done? As he misunderstood yeah <laughs> i misunderstood what roosters are supposed to be doing <laughs> um <laughs> look it up uh, it's a, it's sad <laughs> yeah um yeah the the jerusalem is a crossroads the, this is reflected in the in the storytelling uh in the gospels and in the book of acts with the pentecost mm -hmm. this is the significance of pentecost whereas it's been kind of um uh, presented to everybody as this miracle story of oh suddenly they were speaking all of these different languages and how miraculous that was because they couldn't speak all of these different languages but yes it was a miraculous gift of the holy spirit but why would they need to speak all of these different languages because jerusalem is literally the center of everything <laughs> and they <laughs> had these people they were had there from all of the different parts of the world yeah yeah yeah. uh israelites that were living in every corner of the the civilized world were coming back to jerusalem for the feast of course oh that means it was an important place <laughs> uh it also justifies the uh, you know the idea of this uh this empire was responsible for the cosmopolitanism right of, of Jerusalem uh, I mean when where, where they had the Roman mass communication the Roman roads the net the, the the network of Rome itself created a cosmopolitanism of of, uh, of Judea that allowed the church to flourish so yeah it was it's it's interesting isn't it that they're um, suggesting that it's a backwater 
but again, why would you be doing that in the early seventies? Uh, you know, what are you, what are you trying to suggest? <laughs> why, why perpetuate the myth that Jerusalem is uh, backwards and, uh, and, and whatever, yeah. whether that ties into a, a, a general trend in America to want to depict it as well, I, the thing is, Savage. I think I think what happened was under the Ottomans, that region becomes a not the same kind of place, at least for Christendom. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. from from 1453, when the Ottomans taken control of Constantinople, and then the Ottoman Empire is the great rival to oh, guess what? <laughs> the control of the Mediterranean by oh, you know, the the which is, tomorrow's the or not tomorrow? Um, Saturday is the feast the the, the Battle of Lepanto Memorial, right? And the, 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 uh, mm -hmm. is it the Feast of the Rosary? I don't know. The, all these modern feasts that get, 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 I get confused. Um, but from 1570, when the, the Holy League, you know, pushes back the Ottoman fleet, but recognize that was over control of the Mediterranean, which of course has mm -hmm. never been under the control of a single entity since the fall of the Roman Empire. That, that after yes. the fall of the Roman Empire, the, the, um, Eventually, the the eastern part has one region. The the Muslim um, princes control another part of the Mediterranean, and the what Italy and the Venetians and the Genoese try to control the northern part, and blah blah blah. It's never been under the control of one power since the Roman Empire, mm -hmm. and so it feels like it can't. It's not going to be a center, but it it, it actually was, um, and so when. What, the Battle of Trafalgar, um, Nelson defeats Napoleon um, for control of Egypt. Then the then Britain comes in, and it's like the the next crusade kind of problem. From the the Northern Europe's perspective, it, the Holy Land's a long way away, and it feels it feels remote. But in the Middle Ages, they thought of it as the center, right? We are the remote bit, and this and right. Jerusalem's the center. It's just it's interesting that it's flipped in in modern conception, so that we can't see how central the Holy Land was. Mm. Yeah, Silent Draco is 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 um, helping us here. Jerusalem, Antioch, Alexandria, Rome, Byzantium—all one to three nodes or sea roots apart. Right, they're very close together. Right, so it's it's this great network, and yeah. it it is interesting that modernity can't see that. No, no, I can't see it. Uh, I think probably because the languages are different. There isn't the unified uh, Roman Empire with the Latins, mm -hmm. the as Latin and Greek, I should say. But the you know this these. Yeah, it was Greek, and it was the Greek in the region where yeah. where Jesus was, the great trading, mm. the great trading philosophical. I mean, that's why the Gospels are in Greek, right? They're writing for this cosmopolitan yeah. audience. Yeah, they're writing for a cosmopolitan audience inside an empire that has an imperial language for everybody right. to use the lingua, the lingua franca, the 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 the, the, uh, the equivalent of what English has become for for the for the global uh empires but uh it's very difficult for everybody to think about how linked they were now 
because uh, the Mediterranean is a kind of pa it's this patchwork of, of different nations and languages. Exactly. But that was not a, it was not a factor in the in the ancient times. They didn't have national borders that had been created out of nineteenth century nationalism. So you had regions, sure. You had um, local dialects, sure. But the the people living under that Roman uh, uh, Roman imperial uh, system, they were all uh, communicating in the imperial languages. And so, uh, yeah, much more interconnected. It's, it's sort of like, uh, you've got, I suppose somewhere like New York, uh, uh, this, uh, metropolis environment that's incredibly co cosmopolitan, mm -hmm. but of course people are going to be using English in, in, in New York, trying to, uh, uh, trying to explain the Mediterranean is like uh, trying to say, okay, the Mediterranean once was what New York City is now. Uh, you're not going to think of explaining New York City in terms of the islands. Like it has, you know, Manhattan Island and then Staten Island and all these, like I don't know New York geography very well, but you, you have a city that's constructed on different islands. Imagine if that was split and all the islands became different nations mm. during a kind of nationalistic emergence. And then someone suddenly tried to explain, once upon a time, this was right. all one thing. <laughs> it was all one thing and it was all in interconnected and everyone could go everywhere. You didn't need passports between these different islands. It was just New York City. That was the Roman Empire. So, yeah, uh, that's that's where they're at. That's where the gospel writers are at. That's where Christ emerges. <laughs> it's like the ancient equivalent of New York City. Yeah. <laughs> um, with this uh well and it's also why it's like i'm saying deo gratias and augustine are in north africa right yeah gratias is in carthage and now and augustine's in hippo which the romans have conquered mm -hmm. from the carthaginians and you know sowed the place with salt but then built a city on top of it which it has mm -hmm. all the features of a roman city it's got a forum it's got baths it's got theater so yes. you know the 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 I, 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 it's interesting as we're looking at the fall of the American Empire now. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Recognizing when the when the Roman Empire fell, it really did fall, right? The, the the all of the supply routes and everything were disrupted. There's some interesting archaeological study of the way in which, like roof tiles, vanish. They they lose the capacity to mm -hmm. make basic building materials for, in Italy. Um, the population drops. You you know all of these trade routes are disrupted. They carry on with the stories and the language, and so you can have this illusion that the culture continues, which it does in certain respects in terms of education, but it's disrupted massively. So they can still think of themselves mm. as a, you know single Christendom until Islam comes along or something like that. But it's not it's not the same as it was at the peak of Augustus's empire. Or the you know when mm. when Jesus was crucified under Tiberius, so it, yeah, all of this. Mm. So maybe the problem with God is bad at you know uh, event planning. That one goes out the window. <laughs> 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 all right. So, but we still we st we um, still I think there's other stuff we haven't solved. Here we have Judas and Mary on either side of Jesus, oh, yeah. which is also very nicely done in the movie. They mm. seem to be, they, they, yeah, they function Judas in the, in the, in the play. And apparently some people were upset with it and found it blasphemous that it's all from Judas's perspective because he didn't, he portrayed it's like, but Judas is actually, I think very well done as the one who is 
wanting Jesus to be more practical and modern, mm. right? And and it is interesting that they cast him as a, a, um, a black, which you responded to as saying that this fits with the civil rights movement and the problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> the the the, oh, the, yeah. the black Americans being frustrated with like why isn't this working? Right? Why aren't you doing this better? Because of the kind of political engagement that they'd had. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it just reminded me of the Garveyites. <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching it thinking, oh, this is interesting, because when was this film 1973. made? 1973. Oh, not long after. <laughs> yeah, 1973. I mean, this is right on the cusp of the, um, I mean, it's in that time period of, like, the massive anti-colonialism movements in Africa and mm -hmm. everything. And then I was thinking, oh, that's almost, like, one year before the Ethiopian Marxist revolution. I was thinking, Black Judas, sir, that fits. He's actually well cast in um, a lot of <laughs> Very well cast, yeah, exactly. Um, because, you know, let's be practical, let's be scientific, let's get rid of all of these uh, unnecessary uh, things that are not um, uh, uh, going to make us... Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it's uh, uh, to achieve a political dominance, I suppose, and then, uh, you know, have um, have so much pragmatism that, uh, that the, the, the beauty goes out the window. Mm. I mean, that's kind of what I was seeing. There was like this struggle uh, of... of of Judas having these arguments, how can you spend time with this woman? You know the way he speaks to mm -hmm. Christ about his, uh, his scandalous behavior uh, with allowing um, Mary Magdalene to be constantly fawning over him and uh, losing it every every five seconds. <laughs> um, <laughs> is your reaction? Judas is spurging out again. He's like, why? Yeah, he why? 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 And, and the thing is, like this constant tantrum. Yes. <laughs> the play is it is Judas centered in that sense because he but but he yeah. is he's he's voicing all of the frustration that modern audiences tend to have. It's like why won't you behave practically in in you know giving it's like he he wants to be like the event manager too for him saying you know um, yes. you know don't spend your money on that let's spend the money on taking care of the poor. I mean. He's, it's not really an SJW in, in that sense, but he is the, the social reformer that wants, like, practical results now. He, yeah, he's, he's looking at politics yeah. as a... Um, all right, now you just activated a thought. This is interesting. <laughs> so I... That is really interesting. Okay, so he's reminded me of the Garveyites for mm. a reason, because this was the the Black Civil Rights Movement um, without uh, understanding that the identity of Black peoples had to be scaffolded by priesthood. See, even Marcus Garvey, to get on a side quest, but I'll come back, <laughs> this is important. Um, Marcus Garvey, from my knowledge, was a Trinitarian. Mm. He was openly professed a Trinitarian doctrine, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, which is very, very important because uh, in his own philosophy, 
understood Christianity to belong to the black peoples, which is going to trigger a lot of people, but whatever, I don't care. Uh, I think it's accurate, probably because they had an understanding of this ancient uh, Mediterranean connection between Rome, Jerusalem, Antioch, Alexandria, uh, you know, Carthage. Like they, you, if you're seeing the world, the ancient world, in an integrated way, this makes sense from a modernist perspective. It makes no sense whatsoever. But they were pushing uh, black nationalism, which was devoid of the scaffolding of the uh, priesthood. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is what you you kind of activate this thought in my head, where it's like Judas is is uh, is con- concerned with the. Um, the management of material reality in the politics of the the mission of Christ, right. and this very you know, frustrated spurging. He's constantly spurging <laughs> because he sees the the scandalous behaviour of the uh, the followers of Christ as being inappropriate to the mission of of, of managing material reality to. Uh, Fix the world, right. where Which they wanted uh, to do. Mary Mag- Silent Draco has yeah, given yeah. us a super chat to make sure I read this. Um, Judas is the uh-huh. modern everyman projecting SJW on faith coming up way short. Yes, and and it's like Judas, well, mm-hmm. Silent Draco, just do the man things. Don't try to be God. Judas, Jesus is no. <laughs> but but I think that's yeah. The Judas, I mean, when he ends up calling him Jesus Christ superstar, yes, it is really Arian because it's saying why won't you. If you're God, which Jesus does and doesn't believe, I mean, I think it's in the in the in the I'll say it's a play, right? In the in the play, he recognizes that he's betrayed him, but it's not clear to me in the script that he recognizes what he's betrayed. He's like he's he's mm. like Jesus is going to be killed, and he's upset about that. But in the in the superstar song, he's still saying, "Why aren't you? Who who are you?" Mm. Okay, and then now Mary. Oh, and, yeah. And this is well, nicely I mean, paired. It's like he's saying, why won't yeah, you be this political leader mm-hmm. as and, and social reformer in the way that we need you to be? And then she... Well, the way I it's it's interesting because, like, going back to the scaffolding and how priesthood is the scaffolding of a people because it's like the devotion to the object of devotion creates ritual, which creates art. Mm-hmm. To me, Mary Magdalene was doing it the whole time, and all Judas was doing was like, <laughs> "Why are you letting this hoe touch you for all this expensive wine, uh, oil, all well, not wine, all of this expensive oil all over you? We could use the money for the poor, you know." You'll sing the song. I don't know the song, but it was great. He's he's like, you know. Um, if you know Why, the story of Mary it, Magdalene, it, it just cracks we open could have raised three hundred like, silver pieces or more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a year's wages to buy this bottle of right. really expensive oil that she just <laughs> just decides to randomly crack uh, over uh, over the Lord's body and then starts anointing his feet with her hair, and it's, it's scandalous and very embarrassing because, of course, she's like this horrible bad girl that no one wants to uh, no one wants to have around. And yet Christ said, let her go for it. She's doing it for my burial. Right. But Judas having having his tantrum over this behavior is interesting because it shows the distinction between the mentality of people who want to build the nation through a materialistic management, pure politics. And then you have Magdalene who is um, understanding the devotional aspect of, uh, of, of, of Christ's uh, 
being with us in the first mm -hmm. place and she's in pure devotion there's no interest in whatever whatever else is going on and it seems counterintuitive because you know of course what's she doing she's wasting money <laughs> she's wasting she's wasting uh things that could be reallocated and redistributed and whatever you know but but she's i mean she's not she's not completely simple right because she has i mean the fame i don't know how to love him right and that he's a man oh yeah, yeah. and that wonderful it's like he and i've had so many men before <laughs> in very many yeah. ways he's just <laughs> one more i can't sing her song because i don't have her voice at all um but you know that they do play off of, of attention that is well she does she want him sexually i don't think so i don't think they're actually saying that but she's not sure what that means right if i can't have him sexually who is he? I don't know. Mm. Yes. Which I do think raises yeah. a nice tension of like, well, yes, he, I mean, it makes sense that she would want to be with him. And he's, you know, at least in the, 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 the either the tradition or the, the not Dan Brown version of things. Mm. He yeah. did, you know, the, he wasn't married. Mm hmm. No, no, he wasn't. Um, see, I but I think that um, I think that song is going into kind of a Dan Brown, uh, intimating a Dan a Dan Brown Dan Brown situation. It wants to, yeah. It it wants to, and uh, that would be, I think. I mean, uh, this is me riffing, but I'm thinking uh, this is maybe because of the expression of Christianity in the culture where the film was made, that the like kind of Eastern devotional expressions like this uh, hippie Jesus that they've created that looks like the guru coming mm -hmm. in. Uh, well, what were the gurus doing? <laughs> you know, so it's like if you've got a woman, uh, if you've got a woman doing these very uh, embarrassing devotions to to an object of uh, of devotion, maybe for that time period in their minds, of oh, well, of course it's implied that there is going to be some desire for a sexual. Uh, um, well, it, uh, it's what the early Christians you know, were accused of. So I don't think it's just it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just not. Well, no, well, I'm I'm wondering if this isn't why it was like so blown up in the in the film, mm. though. You know. Well, I mean, so it, it what I do like about the film and I like about our discussion of this, like showing how this is. I think Christians now, curiously, can end up feeling like the story's boring, right? This, this was one of Dorothy Sayers' great insights. Like if you want actually to people to understand Christianity, you need the doctrine because that's the exciting bit. Um, and mm -hmm. we're, we're still not there yet. It can be part two or to be continued, right? Um, that it, it's, it's like, and I've been working on this, thinking about it for the last, well, I'm teaching this class on how to read the gospel, so I'm thinking about it, but I'm also thinking about it saying, I've always been Christian. I grew up Christian. I've been on this quest to find the depths of the, the, the story. 
Um, but then you can also end up feeling like, well, but all the other religions, they get the cool stories, right? And he's like, what do you mean by that, right? It's like, well, you get the cool stories of monster fighting. No, wait. Um, <laughs> right? It, it is, is other stories about what would be actually more exciting. And now I'm sort of blanking on what I would expect because we're, we're thinking about the gospel story. But the more, this is what I think medieval Christians started to understand with all their meditations on the life of Christ. And their med you meditate on all of the different relationships that all these different characters have with him and his story. This is mm -hmm. a story that for 2,000 years has borne this kind of um, deep examination of each of their relationships with him. Um, mm. And, you know, you could say, does any other story carry this level of attention? Then you can test it, right? Aeneas, no, wait. Um, th that there, it, there's, there's something that comes out of all of these relationships that continually presses you to go in deeper to the mystery. And then you think, okay, mm. there's just the shape of the story somehow, somehow they're they're mocking there's mockings of it in the in the 19th century saying you know well everyone says jesus was everything you know that we we can learn how to be human from studying his life and there's a famous well famous to me a meditation on jesus our christ our great exemplar by this very depressed man called mm. jp thompson who kills himself eventually i think or dies of depression he's very gloomy um saying you know jesus didn't do anything that would give him a true life, right? He didn't get married, he didn't have a job. Well, he didn't have, he doesn't have a job in the gospels. He maybe trained as a carpenter, and so we know that, but um he did he he seems to have, you know, been a vagabond and was killed by the authorities. He has actually nothing to recommend him mm -hmm. as a I mean, not even role model, right? He's not a father, he's not, you know, um but just that he doesn't seem in fact to do anything that is the regular challenges of human life. At least not to J.P. Thompson mm. in the 19th century trying to imagine him as a bourgeois Londoner. <laughs> yeah. um, so, mm. the, and there, there's sort of two sides of that. One is like, what do we expect of this story? And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it should be able to unpack for us the mysteries of reality. It better. Um, and two how do we expect to relate to him? Which is what Jesus and Mary are trying to test in the, in the dramatic yes. portrayal. Mm. Yeah. What's the, <coughs> do, do you understand what I mean? It's like, how is this the story that contains all that we need to be studying? I mean, it's, it's going to like eventually focus down, which, the play doesn't really on the cross, right? You can say the cross is everything that we need to be understanding. What does that mean, right? We're near, we're nowhere near that, and we're going to mm -hmm. run out of time. So we may have to do part two, which is fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can talk about Jesus a lot, but but the yes. the The unpacking of his relationships is one thing that Christians have meditated on for a long time. And then the saints come along and you have all those other relationships. But this, these are the ones that really, really matter. The ones that knew him in, in his life here. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Monster Hunter Christos, to borrow a title. Yes. Casting out demons, converting mm. a centurion, taking all the world's sin on his shoulders. Silent Draco, you're going to like get yourself invited on the stream to talk to us. So, Yes. <laughs> um, but I think just sitting here with Judas and Mary on either side of him and feeling this tension between, as we're describing it now, the world and the worldly power, you'll get the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. And, and Jesus, again, they scripted this nicely because Jesus keeps saying, you don't understand what power is. You don't understand what glory is. And then mm. Mary being caught up in what does it mean to love him? I don't know how. Who is he? Why is he so different? This mm. they really pulled off. This questioning. They oh, yeah, they did. They did. Nailed. Well, it makes sense that she's having that crisis, too, because he isn't just man. He is an incarnate God. So, of course, that's going to cause some kind of difficulty because you can't respond to the God man in the same way that you're responding to the rest of the, the human race. It's just not going to happen. So if she's saying there's been many men, well, yes, but there's never been God man. So it's like, what does that mean? That's a very good which is which is where question. we started and where we're going to still be stuck when we, we yeah. stop tonight because right? that is it's like that the, they these people encounter him as a human being in you know their life and it's mm -hmm. it, it is clear from the gospels among any other things it's like people had a lot of different reactions to jesus I mean, you can you can say that with the fact of the four gospels so th this is this is one of the things that i've been talking about with my my class when after we talked through jesus christ superstar and the other 19th century the 19th century efforts to find the historical jesus and saying the gospels fail or succeed as historical sources um constantly feeling like i guess the the reverse of my quest is in my own life that the closer you look the more he's not there right? it's like why can't i solve this mystery that should be solved by the gospels and yet and, you know, and then, you know, you have Paul saying, I know Christ, but there's no like story of his life. He just says, I, I know it. And then the, the, the four gospels that we have, and that they're obviously other gospels, but none of the other gospels tell this life, right? They're not, they're not biographical in the same way. They're typically sayings collections. So they're more of his teachings, mm. but they're not actually this problem of the passion. The four that we have that we count as the gospels are the ones that tell the passion. Mm. and they're they're each slightly different in, in the way that they react to him and yet they're also all writing to say this was somebody different mm. well it makes sense that he didn't have a typical human life mm. uh because why would the incarnate why would the, i mean this is probably the first good question to ask is why would the incarnate god have a typical life I, indeed i never put it yeah. that way but yes that makes sense right yeah. but so so these are these yeah. now we've got these two poles it's it's nice that we have so judas it's a uh, magdalene silent drake was saying magdalene is reaching for the truth judas is rejecting it yes but we we have this this tension here and um, 
I'd say on the on the one hand, we want Jesus's life to have been more exciting. Um, that we want him to be a monster slayer as, as that. But it's like, think of, think of what a cooler story would have been. Because that's what Judas is wanting, right? He's wanting the cooler story. Mm-hmm. You'll get the power and the glory. And Magdalene, it's like, she's not wanting it because she's actually better attuned in, in the, in the, but she's still tormented by, you know, it's like, why isn't this just a love story, right? So we could have Alexander the Great conquering the world option, which is why they all speak Greek in that region. Yes. <laughs> Alexander came along yes. and conquered that part of the world, including Persia, including Egypt, right? Got all the way to India, right? So that's why they can all be like, you know, gymso- mm-hmm. gymnosophists in, ooh, what's that city in Alexandria called? Oh, wait, in Egypt called Alexandria, right? There's multiple, <laughs> Ale- he, so he did it before the Romans did, right? He planted Alexandrias everywhere. Um, and so they all yes. speak Greek. And that you know they have a cultural connection from India to Rome because of Alexander. Yep. He didn't conquer Rome, but they pick up all the Greek stuff. So, <laughs> and then all the way to therefore all the way to Spain. They imported it. It's like so from China is mm. not quite in the map right at this point, but certainly from India to the Straits of Gibraltar, thanks to Alexander, you have the world. Why isn't Jesus' story that, right? So that's what Judas is wanting, right? And then mm-hmm. Ma- Mary is saying, you know, like, why is it, I don't know, could be Genghis Khan conquer the world and have all the children in the world? <laughs> <laughs> like all of Asia is related to Genghis Khan because of how many children and you know, wives and children he had, allegedly. It's Charlemagne, everybody's related yes. to Charlemagne too, because, you know, it's, it, it, it's long enough ago everybody's intermixed and enough that we're all related to these guys nobody's related to jesus because he didn't have any children mm. yeah so no i would say it again the 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 first uh the first clue that Christ is God incarnate is the fact that without either of these options being uh, used to increase his influence, he still managed to conquer the Roman Empire. He did not do as Alexander the Great did to build a material empire the way that the Judas character in this film wanted, and he did not propagate himself <laughs> like a Mongolian <laughs> um, or uh, you know there, there, there was no uh, physical dynasty that he set up in order to uh, increase his kingdom that's counterintuitive to somebody who's claiming to be a king right so this is it's completely counterintuitive. Yeah, never mind the crucifixion, claimed. right? So both 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 yes. of them here, and and this is I I'd say I mean there is a fairly powerful um, musical interlude over the crucifixion in the pl- in the play, but mm-hmm. it's it's the Jesus Christ Superstar song is the you were watching it and I, I, and you're like we go from the the um, was it the flagellation and then 
Judas is killed. And then we have the Jesus Christ superstar and like, they, you were saying, they, they left out the crucifixion. I'm like, no, 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 it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the centerpiece of the play is the superstar song mm. with all of the, you know, the jazz dancers and lights. And I think I picture at the end, we'll, we'll jump to that. Cause we're not there yet. We got the, oh, we haven't had Herod yet. We'll have to talk about him next time. Oh yeah. And Jesus and we'll have to talk about Gethsemane. We're for and here's Pilate. We're foreshadowing for you. Here's here, you know, the there Judas is and his um what kind of outfit is this with the fringes and everything? It's not it's jazz. It's like a biker jacket <laughs> almost. It, it's some it's like a weird cross between a Harley Davidson uh, enthusiast. <laughs> I think they're supposed to be wings. A gymnast. Right? They're like angels, yeah. right? There's all these angels. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Right. And so he is, we want the power and the glory in this performance. And yet what we get instead is this completely pathetic little crucifixion. Yeah. Well, they want to rave. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They want the rave. So there's this kind of buildup in, in a couple of scenes. Uh, I think they're in an amphitheater or there's a dilapidated temple and they're all doing a massive dance routine around him. Yeah, they're all they're all raving. They all want to yeah. rave. Yeah. Yeah, the one in the temple is, uh, is fun. It's 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 filmed fun because they they cut, they do like they're doing tumbling and stuff, right? And they sort of the theme of the production mm -hmm. is all revelation, which I found very interesting, right? It's like showing, 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 which is the problem, right? Showing Christ to the world, showing God, God's entering into the world. How does that happen? And, and, and in that temple scene, or I don't, I think it's a mm -hmm. temple, it's a Herodium, I think is a palace maybe. And of course they've, the archeologists mm. have put all the pillars back up. They've all, they would have all fallen over. My guess is, um, they didn't put, I don't think they put them back up for this production. I think it's like it was there, but it's still a ruin. Right. And, and the, and the dancers yeah. come in and they are, they're all tumbling in and they're dancing and raving. And it's, it's this great 1970s jazz yes. dance stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a, a kind of ecstatic ritual. That's what they're wanting. They're expecting. Right. They want an ecstatic ritual. Which fits the uh, the the cults of the era, really. I mean, like all ancient cults were kind of attempts at getting this, uh, isn't it? The 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 rave religion. That's ancient religion or ancient cults. Oh, let's see. They did psychotropic oh, drugs. They had lots of sex. There was music. <laughs> light shows, and, yeah. and I, I was I was thinking about this. We're we're paying attention to things for. <clears throat> Draco Chemicus. And one of the one of the things that everyone's talking about right now is that big dome in Las Vegas where you two just performed. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's it's I watched some little videos from in from inside it apparently, right? And it's it's um <clears throat> taken the the big screen projection stuff of psychedelic imagery and stuff and just made a dome of it. And you know, my my mm -hmm. my origin my my primary Response is horror. Horror at because the, you're completely in this uh, techno faux yeah. reality. 
but they have actually it's like having vr goggles you can't take right. off but but you know mm. or it's like the you know the most terrifying planetarium show you've ever been in um <laughs> but they have if what they're going for is you know not christian worship pagan temple experience although i mean it's actually also this is this is a kind of twisty problem right um it's yeah. the the temple is meant to be a model of the universe cause creation mm -hmm. right it's like the the temple structure which the priest on their scaffold i'll go back to the priest on their scaffold is he is they are they there there they are they're on the scaffold right well we were we'll talk about herod later um insofar mm -hmm. as the scaffolding is there what the what the temple was meant to be was a representation of creation um and this is I mean, it's the the uh allegorical reading of the temple that comes out of philo but i think it, it it actually fits here it's like you have the earth in the enclosure and the outside court and you go further and further in until you get in the holy of holies which is heaven right so heaven and earth are represented in the temple which means, therefore, if you're participating in the ancient structure that the priests are, that scaffolding, you are worshiping within a representation of the cosmos. Which, therefore, YouTube, mm -hmm. the YouTube dome thing, <laughs> the YouTube dome thing, YouTube, not YouTube, the YouTube dome is very like a temple structure because, as far as I could see from what they projected onto, it was, you know, the sky and the alphabet mm -hmm. and <laughs> birds and swirly patterny things, right? It's a massive trip. Yes. That worship tends to that. And here Jesus is coming in and really disrupting it, or is he fulfilling it? Mm. That is a great question. Silent Draco says, good one kilts. It's all ecstasy emotions, but no thought. Formless and chaos. And <laughs> they forgot Fiat Luke's. Mm. And well, then you have the opposite problem too. You can have the opposite problem with the scholastic problem where everyone's just involved in dialectical arguments and hyperlogical thinking and there's no art. Mm. There's no de uh, devotion producing uh, a ritual and art. Then you have the which is very bad for the psyche very very bad for the psyche and that creates a culture that we've been all been born into now which is the uh christianity without beauty right well so okay modernity super churches where you're going into this like oh it looks like an office space and there's a smoke machine and lasers it's like uh that comes out of rationalizing everything too much. You get uh, away from, I think, uh, something like an appropriate holy ecstasy. Isn't it? I figured out a way to stop tonight <laughs> with, okay. with this thought. Okay, so the, when we're talking about art and how important it is in the worship and devotion and also the incarnation the temple and the structure mm -hmm. it's right now sorry i'm getting coffee cough <coughs> um all around campus right now because there are a number of jewish groups 
like there's a Kabat house and there's a Hillel house. And then also, in, interestingly, on campus, which I don't remember seeing before, they've all put up booths because it's the Feast of Tabernacles mm -hmm. right now. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Okay. So they're all booths. Yeah. Right. And I pointed out to some of my students, well, this, this is interesting. The ones we're doing our prayer group for being control group, the COVID control group, right? We're praying. And I said, do you see that? This mm. booth, right? And they're like, what is that? And I said, well, it's, you know, for the feast. Yeah. And it's like, it's rep representing the tabernacle that they had in the wilderness. And I said, yeah. we need to do a booth for the nativity. And, and, and it's, it's like, it's one of those things where I think finally these things came together for me. Nativity scenes are booths with the baby in there. <laughs> yes. Uh -huh. Do you like that? Mm -hmm. And I love it. And the yeah. problem is with the booths, the 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 the, mm. the tabernacle with no Christ in it, no God, is where we are for the most part in modernity, right? So we have no mm -hmm. baby in the booth. We have no incarnate. And then, yes. and then, and then, and I it's sort of like gently, 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 come on, can you get it there? It's like why art matters so much, but you have to have the image because it's, it's interesting what happens yeah. without the incarnation and it's just the, the scaffolding and no focus. And it's not just focus. I think it was like, it's been hovering around in the back of my understanding for the past few days because the booths went up early this week, the beginning of this week, um, that... Our, our minds can't, our minds will go for everything else, I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm bumbling this. There's, oh, there's, there's both the necessity of the yeah. incarnation so that we don't go astray. And there's the necessity of art so that we have something in the booth. And, and it, at the transfiguration, mm. that's what Jesus, uh, uh, Peter and John's and James went to build booths for Jesus and Moses and Elijah, right? They said, like, wouldn't you have yes. that? And I was thinking, it's like the booths without Jesus in them really bother me. And I need to think about why, right? It's like, what happens when you don't have the nativity scene? Um, well, the booths become tents in the desert and it's burning, man. If you don't have the virgin and child in the booth, then you have a form of religion which can be expressed that's inappropriate to express before a virgin and her baby. Mm. Oh, there's that's an element too. Mm -hmm. That was that's it's, I mean, Burning Man. They do actually have a like wicker thing that they burn, right? Mm. So there is a figure there. Yes. Just problem because we worry now. about we worry about this in Christianity. It's like oh, you can't have idols because then it's misdirected worship. And it's always that problem. It's, you can't have idols misdirected worship, so we can't have art, so we'll destroy it. And then you know, it's, it, it yeah. was it was this flash of suddenly why iconoclasm is the worst thing that we can possibly do because it destroys the incarnation, it yes. destroys our understanding of the incarnation. We need art. We need you know. And yeah. what when Dorothy Sayers wrote her play. She pointed out that in Germany, they'd had the Aberamagau, I can't say that word, the town where they had the passion play and they'd been doing it for centuries and that the English hadn't been doing a play, right? They did first the radio play, which was just voices, 
It's only audio. And before Jesus Christ Superstar and before they did the rock opera, there had been some television shows of Jesus. And there's all the Hollywood plays of greatest, I think the greatest story ever told in the robe and the Ben Hur. And it's like, so they've been portraying Jesus on film for a while before Jesus Christ Superstar came out. But this, this, it's necessary to have him appear and be portrayed so that other bad things don't happen. And I'm still like grasping at what it is that happened. I mean, I know what happens when you don't have Christ, the world goes nuts, but that be, being mm -hmm. able to break it down and show people why that really matters so that we say, yes, you need the booth with the baby in it. Hmm. To be continued. <laughs> we have, we have yeah. transfiguration yeah. was, is, and always shall be. Yes. Nativity is the booth for the second covenant. Nice. Yes. I like that. Um, and thank you, Silent Draco. Professor Brown is encouraging us to think deep. Lots of wonders to find. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. We really are just going to stop in the middle here and say we've got to the point of seeing. I know now what the cover for this 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 episode is. It's Judas and Mary <laughs> sitting on either side of Jesus, saying, "Who are you?" Right, and that we are caught in that tension, and we need to keep wrestling with it. Because it matters that we see the incarnation. Mm. Yeah, it's the it's the tension of people responding to an artist. That's my final thought for the meditation today. Thanks we be have to, to. Thanks be to God. I, I have mm. actually understood why the Lord's Prayer is the most perfect prayer, but we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you all for Thank you, Silent Draco, and everyone else who's been listening and to be continued. Good night.